Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is the big question. The Big Question, of course, is a podcast that gives you too much information about how whoever your favorite Batman is, you are wrong. Wrong, sir. Wrong. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. And we got the data to prove it, my friends. I'm Eric Voss. Here with me is my good friend, Tommy Bechtold. Hello, my Hello. friend. Good to good see you. Good to him. be here. Good to see you as well. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. I'm ready to talk. I think I didn't even say one thing and then she asked me the whole thing and I didn't even do it once. <laughs> we're, we're celebrating this coming week because it's going to be DC's fandom event where we're finally going to get some details about things like James Gunn's Suicide Squad, Matt Reeves the Batman, and Zack Snyder's Justice League cut for HBO Max. It's going to be very interesting to see which Batman wins this weekend because both of them are very highly anticipated. Is it going to be Batfleck? Is it going to be Battinson? Either way, you're wrong. You're wrong. Wrong! Because in the world of DC, there are right and there are wrong answers, and everyone's wrong 100% of the time. Uh, hit me with that question, Tom! All right, Eric. I've been wondering, as have most of our fans, and, and tread lightly on this, which Batman is the best Batman? Oh, uh... Okay, um, this is a crazy question to ask, right? But yeah. it's also crazy because, yes, we know everyone's kind of been waging this nerdy debate for years and years and years, and, and we've even kind of talked about it before. But we're going to do it differently because we want to be nerdy and quantitative about things, as always. We're going to do our best to remove our personal whim. Would you like to do this exercise with us and pull out your own trauma strands? Pull out your own problems that are choking you? Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to check our opinions at the door, and, and we're not going to think about whether or not a certain Batman spoke to us individually at a certain time in our lives, or yes. continues to speak to us in reoccurring dreams that we don't really tell too many people about. You ready to go fight some crime? Let's go fight some crime, what do you say? Not even our therapist that we don't go to. No. It's true. Here's what we're gonna do. Um, we're gonna go through all the live action cinematic Batman that we've seen, and we're gonna rate each of them on six categories, as, as data-driven as we can. Uh, yes. First important category that every Batman needs to have is intelligence. It's the mm. world's greatest detective, right? So instead of superpowers, Batman has a brain. Um, he also has billions of dollars, but he has a brain and he knows how to spend the money wisely. So really we want to ask, is this Batman appropriately clever for his world? Now we're also going to look at, of course, fighting skills because yes. Batman packs a punch. Sometime he packs a, a boof. A pow! Whammy, whammy! Uh, <laughs> he's got to be fun to watch fight. Yeah, he's a superhero at the end of the day. How fun yeah. is this Batman to watch in the ring? That's uh, I think that's only fair. Um, mm -hmm. Third thing we're going to look at is the gear. Okay, so Batman is about his toys. Where does he get those wonderful toys? So that includes the Batmobile, the suit, the weapons, mm -hmm. the Batcave of that movie. Is it all very cool? <laughs> Cool. And by cool, I mean, is it like a, a creative mix of tech that works practically in cool ways, just uh, beyond the mere visual spectacle? Mm. Because some Batman, it's just all about the look, but like, is it both the look and the way it works in the story in cool ways? The fourth dimension, theatrics. So mm. Batman is a performer and a, a sociopath. He's yes. got to be versatile. Yeah. He's got to both strike fear into the hearts of criminals as Batman, but he also must fool those other Gothamites as mm -hmm. the convincing, egotistical Bruce Wayne identity. Yes. So it's important when you're concerning any Batman, it's not just Batman, it's also how well they do the Bruce Wayne side of it. Yeah. But also there's a third dimension that I think 
a lot of us overlook is like the true Bruce Wayne in between those two. Mm-hmm. Who is he when he's alone sulking in the Batcave talking to Alfred? Is there like another third distinct identity there that we can relate with? Because that's got to be the Batman who like tugs at our heartstrings and we want to mm-hmm. see succeed. Not the, not the crazy, <laughs> fearful silhouette and not the smug asshole billionaire. Yeah. There's a third guy. And I think a good, the best Batmans play all three. Agreed. Although I do enjoy the traipsing around the fountain version of Bruce Wayne with supermodels. That is my favorite Bruce Wayne. (laughs) And also a dream of mine. That's the one you relate with because you're still playing that whole American dream game. That's that's right. You think that trickle down is going to trickle right down to you, but it stays in those rich people's fountains and it never flows anywhere else. I won't rest until every citizen has a fountain and three supermodels to play with. Uh, (laughs) That's that's my campaign promise. I believe in Tommy Bechtel. All right, so the fifth dimension, and this one's a bit harder to define, but I think it's very, very important. Comics thematic accuracy. So yes, Batman comics have evolved and they shifted in tone over the decades. There's lots of different versions of Batman in the comics, but at the heart of all Batman comics are some uh, constants, some values. Batman's a loner, Batman's vengeful, he's a vigilante, but he doesn't kill. You know, usually values human life enough because he doesn't want to cross that line into the rest of the rogues gallery. Also, <laughs> he's got he's a man of ego. He sleeps yeah. around. And Simply, he just knows how to work a cow, and and at the end of the day, that that's a very very important thing uh, for all for all cinematic Batman. And the sixth yes. thing, we opened up to the audience. We have an audience score uh, that mm. we put up on our community channel. Uh, but we will be weighting those percentages because we realize most of our subs are really young mainstreamers. You guys have officially made me lose my marbles. To, uh, ah, you know, come to yes. us for these answers, and yes. we don't like raw, unchecked mob rule. And uh, a lot of people don't know who Kevin Conroy is um, ah, because they're born no. a certain year. We'll we'll be fair. We're taking your vote into account, but we're not going to let it dominate it. Okay? We're suppressing your vote. Which is also the American dream. We're bringing that electoral college back. And we will not be allowing vote by mail for this. You will not be voting by mail. You got to show up in person, no mask. And scream your name. All right, so let's start really at the bottom. No surprises here. George Clooney, Batman. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was in one movie, Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. Uh, So starting with intelligence, we rated him a 2 out of 10. And it's really just... (laughs) Because this is Batman at his stupidest. Yeah. He really lets uh, Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, Bane get way too far in that insane plot to freeze Gotham. And then, like, he, he's smart at some moments, but others, he really just lets his bat boner blind him after Ivy's gorilla dance. I guess he got, he gets some points because he figures out how to angle those satellites to melt Gotham, but I don't know. I think he's pretty stupid. What do you think, yeah. Tommy? I couldn't agree more, and uh, I feel like this movie's going to be all about the visuals. <laughs> like, there's that like we're yeah. gonna have Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Like we're trying new things. This is like when the, like when a new animator comes in and draws your comics, and it's like those aren't yeah. what they look like. And like <laughs> you try and be open minded. And I'll be honest, like every five years, I try and tell myself like you have to go back and watch Batman and Robin. Like you have to go back and give it another chance. And then uh, like by the time Arnold Schwarzenegger gets his second cold being put out, I'm like, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. <laughs> Man, even as a kid, I felt condescended by this. So, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Yeah, and and unfortunately, this Batman is exactly as smart as the movie he's in. That's not awfully PC. What about that person? 
And then that applies to all the other categories as well. Fighting skills. He's not fun to watch fight. The nipples, the butts, the, the sack close-ups. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just get like close-ups of bulges? Yeah. I love a good bulge close-up, trust me. But uh, yeah. even in the, yeah, this movie was gratuitous. He has a Batman credit card. It's like the campy 1960s Adam West Batman, but none of the charm. Yeah. None of the charm. Yeah. Well, because I, I think it's, George Clooney is obviously one of the most charming people alive. So you would think like, yeah. but I think probably in his mind, he had to play Batman a certain way. And that was less like Adam West and more like he, if he had played it like Adam West Batman, it probably would have totally worked. He almost played it like Danny Ocean as Batman, like his his take yeah. on that. So. And, and I, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on Clooney's act because yes, Clooney is a really good actor, but in this movie, he just looks really bored and uncomfortable. He, he really isn't trying. He was also written to be a pretty lame character. Like his main emotional stakes are tied to Alfred's sickness. Yeah. And Alfred doesn't even die. It's just really weird. And then going to comic thematic accuracy, I got to give this a one out of 10, just because mm. really the only thing that makes this guy that we see Batman is that character's call him batman and that he wears the cow yeah. but like yeah so I, I there's really nothing that seems like this doesn't even feel like a batman movie and to be fair to clooney he did apologize in 2014 he admits that this yeah. movie was not right and he didn't know what he was doing and he just took the role because he's like well if someone offers you batman you gotta take it <laughs> and thank god we made him feel compelled to apologize <laughs> thank god for all of the things that has happened in his life he's like the thing i really feel that i owe the public an apology for is making batman and robin and i'm so yeah. Sorry, the nipples didn't even produce milk. What was the point of putting them on the suit? He did get a couple votes in the comments of our poll, so he gets an audience score of 2 out of 10, but in total, out of a total score of 60 points, he gets 8. So well, not, not great. No surprises there. But we All do right. have some surprises in the next one on our list. Val Ooh. Kilmer Batman. Oh. Uh, and, and Batman Forever. He gets a 9 out of 10 for intelligence, and here's why. He really deserves some credit for being one of the brainier Batmans we've seen. If you go mm. back and rewatch this movie, he is pretty smart throughout the mm. film. He shuts down Nigma right away when he's pitching these crazy ideas. Mm. And he's able to work through most of Riddler's riddles pretty quickly. He mm. struggles a bit, but he gets through them all. And he asks the right questions about the Vox when, when Nigma makes it big. You know, he, he, he resists society pressure and he's kind of like the smart ass. He's like, and what prevents you from extracting images? Out of the mind. My boy's wicked smart. And then at the end of the day, he tricks Riddler with a riddle of his own. Uh, but it's really just like one that's designed to stall and distract Riddler as he prepares his batarang and his night vision goggles. And then he, he ends up overwhelming Harvey Dent with all the dozens of coin flips. The, he's not a 10 out of 10 because he does let Drew Barrymore outsmart him with a glow stick. That's but, true. Uh, overall, pretty smart. Who, who amongst us living in LA hasn't been duped by Drew Barrymore at least once, especially with glow sticks? What is she <laughs> doing with that? Why is she here? I don't know. She's It's like she's always at a rave. I will say his better action was just like shattering glass mm -hmm. <laughs> in big slow motion ways throughout the movie. But it looks pretty cool. He yeah. lands some solid hits on Two-Face's goons. Nothing to write home about, but a good five out of 10, I'd say. Agreed, I agree. For gear, I will say it's really just like um, Tim Burton's design, but everything was polished and turned into shiny chrome. He does get some cool points for like the Batmobile has some cool moves. He's got that cool mm. fireproof cape that yes. looks pretty tight. But I will say uh, 
his bat cave is just like annoyingly vulnerable to Riddler's destruction. And he has his cool bat boat and bat plane. They both immediately get shot down by mm-hmm. their stupid battleship game. So uh, again, he's right in the middle of the road there, five out of 10. Plus he didn't have the fake lips for kissing. He could have used those, would have no. helped. Theatrics wise, and I want to know your take on this, Tommy. I think Kilmer Bruce was uh, very smooth, ego driven, but he didn't really do enough to differentiate that from his Batman. Like, no. he's got those awesome f-ing pouty lips. Mm. Oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> Shove those under any cow. Yeah. And I'm there. I'm there. But, like, he's he's very boring as Batman. He doesn't mm. scare anyone. He's just kind of no. flat. Like, it was just this thing in the 90s where people just took the wrong thing away from Keaton's Batman and, like, said, oh, maybe he was too charactery, and I'm just going to make him more boring. What would you think? I, I I will say the my biggest reason for agreeing with you is I can barely remember his personality. And I can remember the plot of the movie. I can remember specific moments. But I don't remember his performance, really, especially as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and in fairness, like, Jim Carrey as the Riddler <laughs> takes over that movie. And then you got, like, Tommy Lee Jones, who's, like, in uh, Yosemite Sam in that yeah. movie. He like saw Jim Carrey like doing some improv in that movie and was like, Tommy Lee Jones is also going to do some ad living and he's going to go a little bigger than you used to. Let's start this party with a bang! At the end of the day, his total was uh, 30 out of 60. Ooh. Uh, so significantly better than George Clooney. I don't think it's fair to say he's that bad. He's significantly better than Clooney. Definitely several levels up, for sure. So now we're going to move on to a beloved one that some of you may be pissed off is not higher on the list, but we're just trying to do our best to be accurate here. Adam West, Batman mm. from, of course, uh, the 60s TV series. Yeah. He was in one movie, Batman the Movie, 1966. It flopped. Here's the thing. Okay, so for intelligence, we gave him 6 out of 10. Not because he's dumb, it's because he is insanely smart like he Mm -hmm. never gets outsmarted he like immediately outthinks everybody here take my bat radio i looked it up this morning that class of missile receives on a wavelength of 164.1 and he never shows his work like he we never see him struggle to figure anything out now that is part of the chart but Mm -hmm. i will say and i want to bring this back over and over convenient intelligence is not real detective work no so he's not really the world's greatest detective he just has god level intelligence that kind of takes you out of it i was gonna say he is kind of a god in in that show (laughs) like in the way that like macgyver is kind of a god in macgyver where it's like it's like these characters should be dead a lot but they are somehow immortal like that is their power Batman does have a superpower. It's immortality. Like, like in the first Batman 66 movie alone, where he saved from a missile by a brave dolphin. (laughs) It was noble of that animal to hurl himself into the path of that final torpedo. From that moment on, you're like, all right, so you're immortal, obviously. Uh, And, you know, when it comes to fighting skills, we gave him a 4 out of 10. Because we do love uh, any punch that ends with a... Yes, a a biff. Oh, Biff, yeah. yeah. Adam West pulled off some solid acrobatics and stunts with Burt Ward. They're really fun yeah. to watch. And you know what? Yeah. Adam West didn't feel the need to get ripped. No. I, 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 I found that impressive. I respect that. Nobody messes with Adam Wee. Now, let's talk about his gear, because this Batman loves his toys. Oh, yes. Oh, that's the best part. So we give him a 7 out of 10 for this. Yeah. Because he's got all kinds of crap, um, and a lot of them were ahead of their time. He had, like, small computers, he had tracking devices, infrared glasses. This was rivaling what we saw in the dead serious 007 movies in the 1960s. But all of it is stamped with, like, a bright 
yellow bat logo. <laughs> Branding <laughs> on point. He definitely had a oh, he, yeah. he had a brand manager for sure. And a lot of it is just like real bonkers gear. And it's really mm. just written to be convenient, quick solutions. Like he's got amnesia gas and counter hypnosis pellets. Just in case, famously shark repellent. Yes. Uh, again, my thing is you gotta show the work. The gear is part of the fun of the show. But it's definitely over the top. As are the theatrics. Um, uh, 7 out of 10 on theatrics because Adam yeah. West Batman was freaking hilarious. He oh, made yeah. the character popular. I, I I love it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's pure vaudevillian camp. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, it is a bit one-dimensional, which is totally forgivable because the series was right. meant for teenagers in the 60s. Right. Um, but it, it just kind of was like the first step for later takes to uh, better explore the depths of Bruce Wayne's character. Uh, mm-hmm. which we, we need. We need in this ranking. But he still gets, you know, some solid points here. The problem is, when it comes to comic thematic accuracy, 2 out of 10. Because, <laughs> obviously, this was not the goal, right? No. Like, they had the action word aesthetic from the comics. But yeah. that's about as far as it tries to go. <laughs> yeah. it, it has more in common with the other 60s series. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of celebrity guest stars, cultural mm-hmm. trends that they just kind of mm-hmm. worked in there without thinking of the logic of it. There's like hippies and beatniks. King Tut shows up in an episode. <laughs> oh, and if you, and by the way, just a note for viewers, if you have access to the series, treat yourself to the Liberace episode where he plays two oh. roles. <laughs> he plays the piano player, Shondell, and then he also plays Shondell's evil, mean mafia cousin, Tony, who forces him <laughs> to commit crimes. It's the best, it's my favorite episode of that show because it's Liberace trying to act very butch when he's playing the gangster. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I, but, you know, he got a pretty good audience score, six out of 10. He did reign oh. as the Batman in, may, in many people's minds for like yes. decades. So he, he scores pretty well. 32 out of 60 combined score on our list. The the next one who replaced him in many people's minds is the definitive Batman, Michael Keaton Batman. Mm, yep. Tim Burton's Batman, 1989, and oh, Batman yes. Returns a few years later. So let's talk about him. A great Batman. Intelligence-wise, mm. a solid detective. He uses research. He uses media savvy. Spur of the moment thinking. He uses that platter to shield himself for when he's fighting the Joker, but he can't expose himself as Batman. He he flips through newspaper archives to break the story on Oswald Cobblepot. He uses, uh, you know, 90s media tech of that uh, DVD to expose yes. Penguin. I will say uh, Keaton Batman is smart enough for his mm-hmm. world. I, I watched Adam West Batman first and then begged my parents to let me see Michael Keaton Batman because I think I was, I was only six when it came out. But, like, I associated him as so much more serious than Adam West. Like, at the time, like, it was like watching, uh, like, slapstick comedy, like Animal House versus Citizen Kane. Maybe he had a heart attack. Holy shit! I was like, this is the real scary Batman. This is the fun, like, Diet Coke Batman. <laughs> now, on uh, on the fighting skills, we mm. gave him a 4 out of 10. Mm. And that's not necessarily Keaton's fault, because, like, the, his Batman's physicality was really limited by his costume. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Burton wasn't so much of a stunts choreographer at all. No. <laughs> I 
I like to think of it as Tim Burton is all about the frame, like yeah. the full before and the after of the storyboard, mm-hmm. not the arrow in that storyboard, the movement in between. Not to say he can't do it. It's just he's more about like the specific visual. And that's why uh, Tim Burton is so iconic is you can take a still frame from his movies and yeah. know exactly all the meaning and the tone of that shot. Whereas mm-hmm. like film is a kinetic art form. It is about the movement and about the sequence. Yeah. So it, his movies look like paintings. Uh, which they're beautiful. There's a lot of moments that aren't so vibrant. Now, let's talk about the gear. Uh, most of his gear was for like quick escapes and, and spying. Like he has a lot mm. of repelling lines. He climbs, he swings, he has smoke bombs. Uh, at the end of the yeah. day, Burton was more about the spectacle than functionality though. Burton kind of gave the villains the gear and in an insanely impractical way. Like it was like <laughs> toys, like the wind up toys that explode for Penguin. And like, yeah. what, didn't the Joker have a blimp? Now, uh, for Keaton theatrics, we gave him an 8 out of 10 because Keaton is a masterful physical comedian. He's got Mm -hmm. broad range. I mean, he just played Beetlejuice before this. It's showtime. He really brings, like, this manic, sociopathic energy to the role. And he does Mm -hmm. a great job creating distinct physicalities and identities for both Bruce and for Batman. I will say he's great at flipping the switch into Batman mode. He lowers his register, his iconic voice. But he's kind of like... Uh, he, he gets like nervous. He plays a grounded everyman as Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really seem like a kind of guy who's running a Fortune 500 company. No. Now, when it comes to comics thematic accuracy, this movie does take a hit. Three out of ten, because yeah. while Burton's Batman is totally iconic, it's not at all for the same reasons that Batman comics are beloved. He, yeah. It's a Burton movie at the end of the day. Yes. And, and that is what people love about it, mm-hmm. but it's more Burton than Batman. And, uh, and they both... Keaton and Burton deserve a ton of credit for popularizing the character, making it like so profitable and beloved. Like they were able to sell this in so many different forms and make mm-hmm. so much freaking money and really oh, yes. bring millions of readers back to the comics and make people mm-hmm. find and discover what Batman's really all about, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. We gave him a seven out of 10 for the audience score adjusted mm-hmm. with the total point value of 36 out of 36. 60. Not bad. Not bad. Not I would emotionally, I would have ranked him higher, but that's just me. We're trying to remove our own. Trying to remove You're our right. own as much. Keeping as my bias, even though we're it. also opining on each of these categories. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, let's move on to some people who helped us make this episode. First off, thanks to our friends at uh, Coors Light for always giving us something great to drink this summer. Obviously, it's been a different one. Uh, things like festivals, concerts, movies—they're getting pushed back. They've been changed, but summer itself has not been canceled. And Coors Light wants to help you chill this summer. Take a break from the stresses and pressures of daily life. Well, Eric, as you know, whenever I'm babysitting, I like to treat the kids to a round of Coors Light. I'm just kidding, we can't do that. The kids who are over 21 (laughs) that you're babysitting. Yeah, I babysit (laughs) uh, a group of identical triplets. They're 35 years old. And they're circus performers, flat out. They are trapeze artists. They're called the Flying Graysons. If you're a trapeze artist, especially if you're part of the Flying Graysons, don't do it before yeah. you, uh, no. you, you want to drink responsibly. Don't drink and trap, guys. So, uh, no, as always with Coors Light, Eric, you know, I've, I've said this before. This is the official beer of my Uncle Doug. He's had a refrigerator in the garage where he sneaks his cigarettes full of Coors Light since I can remember, since I was old enough to start getting asked, hey, do you want a beer? So I think of Uncle Doug with my Coors Light. Now, the new Coors Light summer can does the work for you. It uh, features sunglasses that literally turn blue when the mm. beer is cold and, and ready to drink. It's really the perfect beer for chilling as it's cold, crisp, really just 105 calories. 
That's why Coors Light is the one I choose when I need a moment of chill. So when you need to reset the summer, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Yeah. You can have Coors Light delivered by going to get.coorslight.com and finding local delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bam. Bow. Mm. Um, but let's move on. With this this placement, I think, is going to be the most controversial. The fact that we put it over Keaton. So mm. Will Arnett, Lego Batman. Oh, Hear us out. Yeah. Hear us okay. out. From his appearance in the Lego movie franchise. So intelligence-wise, we rated him 6 out of 10. Because at the end of the day, he's a parody of other on-screen Batmans that we've mm. seen. So he's really a smartass. He's aware. He's self-aware of his own tropes. Hey, guys. I think we're about to crash into the sun. Yeah, but it's going to look really cool. He's kind mm-hmm. of a man-child who quickly claims credit for ideas. Yeah, I already knew that. That's kind yeah. of who he is. Yeah. Um, and he's he's not really an independent actor in his world. He's exactly as smart as the animators and screenwriters are for those movies. He's like a piece. He's a toy of the machinery of this toy universe. Mm. Uh, and it's very clever in a meta sense. But he's, he's not really like maximum intelligence Batman as we know him to be. But really... All of his gear is part of the meta commentary of this. So it's all a joke meant to reflect the character's over-the-top ego. He, mm. Like, the unlimited nature of his tech is part of this movie's, really, commentaries on capitalism, on the mm. version of Batman built by the Burton movies that they're really designed to sell merch. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is part of the genius of the Lego Batman, is, like, that is that has become part of the Batman mythology is that like on a meta level, he's kind of a sellout. And the rest of you get bad bugs. Come on! And it's kind of really fun to see that addressed in these movies. And that's where I think theatrics, he gets a lot of points for eight out of 10, uh, because in addition to parodying other Batman takes, Will Arnett really hits the right note. He brings a lot of Bojack Horseman into this mm. role, especially in the Lego Batman. He explores like the ego and the loner attitude of the character. But, like, just as a concept, they're able to explore him through a lot of different angles. Uh, comic thematic accuracy, he gets a 6 out of 10. It's really hard to judge because yeah. he is a meta parody. But he has a commentary on the commercialization of the brand that is very much part of its history. And mm-hmm. it's just very interesting that we have this version of Batman. I could see the argument that he should be in a separate category mm-hmm. from the other ones that we've seen. Uh, but if you do want to include him, I think this is where he should rank on the list. Mm. Uh, audiences gave him a score out of 5 out of 10, bringing his total just above Keaton. Wow. Just, just above. Just a 37 touch. out of 60. Wow. Well, all right. I guess since it's only like a point above, I'm, I'm a little more understanding. I was seething inside when you first said that he was above him. Okay, now we're going to move on, starting with Ben Affleck. From mm, uh, the Zack Snyder wow. films, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Justice League. Justice League yes. Part 1 and the real Justice League coming out next yes. year. So I think Ben Affleck Batman is extremely underrated. He's not given enough credit. Let's start with intelligence, though. We gave him a 7 out of 10 for intelligence. Because, yes, Affleck Batman does show some practical insights in his battles with the Man of Steel and his attempts to save life in Metropolis at the beginning of that movie. He's extremely impressive the way he can track down Barry Allen and Arthur Curry. Mm. Uh, He's just like, here's the issue. When the Justice League mixes, the smartest one in the room should be Batman. He should should criticize everyone else's plans as overthought or naive. But in these movies, and maybe you could blame Joss Whedon the way he kind of like restructured Justice League. He, But even in Batman v Superman, Ben Affleck Batman's like the seventh smartest person in that movie. 
Whenever mm-hmm. he's talking to Alfred or when he's when he's talking to Diana, they kind of like make him the dumber one in all those conversations. And it's mm-hmm. just like he doesn't seem like the smartest one in the room in those movies. Nope. So I can't give him more than seven out of ten for intelligence. I think he's underrated in almost all reviews of him, but I think that he's fairly rated here. Now, we have to say, first ten out of ten on our list, fighting skills. Oh, there yeah. is no debate. This is by far the most fun Batman to watch fight. Mm-hmm. Man, Zack Snyder just gets it when it comes to stunts and movement. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy appreciates stunt work, and he makes beautiful-looking fights, whether it's the 300, or whether it's mm-hmm. Man of Steel, or whether it's or it's Batman v Superman. It, it, mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Like, the punches land heavy. The fights have clarity and coherence far above the Nolan films. Mm-hmm. Really, I would say it's similar to the movement of the Arkham games, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you feel like... Yeah, like there's like a, a vibration pack uh, mm-hmm. as you're as you're fighting along with him. The moment he throws Superman down that stairwell and smashes a sink on his head, you feel every hit. It's great. It's beautiful. Now, when it comes to the gear, though, we give him a six out of ten because yeah, his gear is super militarized. He comes up with some real clever shit with that kryptonite, but like it's armored up to a deadly degree it's like designed mostly to inflict damage as opposed Mm -hmm. to like the clever alternate uses that batman gear is supposed to be like everything just looks like he's going into war which i know was the nature of batman v superman but like Mm -hmm. he doesn't really seem to have a lot of nuance with it now i love that he uses the gun disablers but he also uses guns Batman should not use guns. I'm sorry. He shouldn't fire a gun. This Batman is like the blunt force Batman in every way. Like he's bigger. He's a wider Batman. He's like, his, his, his attacks are way more brutal. You got him. He learned his lesson. There's not a lot of subtlety in his movements. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of like elegance to it. That's like almost like a Frank Miller thing. Like you know, like Frank Miller's yeah. Batman is always very brutal and like very, very much about like caving people's faces in. But yeah, the gun thing bumped me as well. Like especially when he's shooting the machine gun and like the, the future vision dr- dream sequence thing, and he's got the he's got the duster out and he's just <laughs> blowing people. Yeah. He's mowing people down. Like yeah, that was uh, that was weird. Now, when it comes to theatrics, we gave him a 7 out of 10 because Mm -hmm. we do think Ben Affleck's performance deserves more credit. Like, man, just rewatch that opening scene of Batman v Superman where he's running through the streets. He's trying to save people. I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is Batman. Like, I Mm -hmm. miss this. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to see more of this. He's really good at playing super smug when he's talking to Clark and Diana Mm -hmm. and Alfred. I'm like, this guy is a freaking socialite who like would go to these parties and talk down to people Mm -hmm. like Affleck is so good at that and when he's talking down to Arthur and Barry later in in Justice League it's really great I will say it seems like Joss Whedon unfortunately just kind of watered him down into like a lamer version of Iron Man with all those jokes in Mm -hmm. his rewrite of Justice League what are your superpowers again I'm rich But it's not just all Whedon. I mean, Snyder in Batman v Superman really made his rage against Superman too much of a forced mess. Mm -hmm. I think it happens too fast. He he hit the right notes to structure it up to the point. It it doesn't feel that motivated. And I think Mm -hmm. people are just like, what are you talking about? We saw him be mad. We saw him fight. I think there's a lot of people these days who are watching movies and don't understand what a true emotional arc is. And they're just like, yep, he checked the block. We saw the actor I know be angry and throw something. Mm -hmm. You're not hungry either? Okay. Okay. It's fine. Ah! But it, right. it just, it doesn't make sense. 
And there's just too much raw violence. And I think Batman always works better. Instead of raw violence, he uses symbolic fear rather than actual, like, punching. Mm -hmm. But still not a bad score. And then now, when it comes to comic thematic accuracy, we gave him a 6 out of 10. And we understand that there's some controversy here. Because, yes, uh, Zack Snyder's Batman is like a Frank Miller version. He's a Dark Knight Returns Batman. You know, Mm -hmm. he's a bit older. He's fixated on stopping Superman. He's an obsessive. He's suffered losses. He's haunted. And, yes, Batman has gotten really violent in a lot of the comics. We we understand that. Mm -hmm. But... uh, as Tommy and I were saying, we can't forgive him for spraying bullets around and breaking mm. necks. Yeah. Like, he has such a high body count in these movies. Not just, like, parademons. Mm-hmm. Human beings that he tortures. He clearly has very little regard for actual human life. And that would be okay in certain Batman stories, but this is a Batman who, at the beginning of that movie, made his whole moral argument against Superman one based on the value of human life and collateral damage. So that mm. strips his entire argument away from him in that conflict which just makes it meaningless and groundless. Yeah, there's just too much. It's just too much. Too much brute force and not enough yeah. humanizing of the character or enough yeah. remorse or at least concern about what he's doing. Concern for his actions. He's kind of a remorseless thug. And it could be explained if it was like he's just had he's just numb now. Like if they made more of a point of saying like he just feels nothing anymore because everyone he's ever loved is gone or has either left him or died. Because a vision softly creeping. But it's just, we get the one visual of Robin's suit with like, ha ha ha, written on it. And like, that's supposed to be enough to be like, this is why Batman is now a nihilist. And he does enough good things to make you know that that's not true. You know, he does have a heart and have compassion, but they, it just doesn't. It doesn't, it's too uneven. Uneven is a, is a really good word for it, Tommy, because I think that's what a lot of people who are super defensive of Batman v Superman is they're like, mm. what are you talking about? Here's an example of when he did exactly what you think there needs to be more of. Mm. Like, films don't work that way. They don't work like, oh, I threw in this. It's not like a big pot where it's like, I threw in some garlic in there, so it's fine. It is about the balance of it. If there's so much other shit in the movie to distract you from like the core dynamic, like, mm-hmm. then, yeah, if I don't know, if I no longer relate to the characters, the main character's main objective, because, like, you put in everything of everything else in the movie, mm-hmm. then, like, yeah, you you screwed up, you know? that's Stories aren't about, like, telling everything all at once. It's about, like, keeping focus on the main objective. And I think that was definitely lost in Batman v Superman. However, our audience gave it a score of, they voted him second in wow. terms of their favorite Batman. Take that as you will. So he gets a score at 9 out of 10 for the audience score, bringing his grand total to 45 out of 60. Mm, very good. Very good score for Batfly. All right. So now we're moving on to the top two. This one, many of you may have top on your list, but it comes on second on our list. Christian Bale from the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, my God. So... He is a very, very good Batman, yes. but let's break it down. So, intelligence, 9 out of 10. Bale's Batman is very, very smart. He smartly mm-hmm. applies insights into Gotham's criminal justice system. He understands that it takes thorough policing and prosecution to really stop crime in a city. He lets others get the wins. But, you know, he does stupidly kind of let Joker and Bane trap him every once in a while. He gets a little lucky every now and then. Mm. But because this Batman's brain is powered by Christopher Nolan himself, I would say this is one of the smartest Batmans that yeah. we've seen. Now, fighting skills? Yeah. <laughs> He learned his lesson! Uh, 6 out of 10. Um, because he's not very 
fun to watch fight leaves yeah. much to be desired. This is, yeah. I think, most people's criticism with the Nolan trilogy. Like, he gets his ass kicked in some really cool ways, but, like, the moments where he's supposed to be fun to watch fight, it's just like Nolan doesn't really know where to put the camera. Mm. He's just kind of like, I'll use a steady cam and kind of spin it around the characters, but right. our character's supposed to be fighting in shadow, so I'm not going to light anything. Nolan got much better at this as the series went on. It's like after he shot Inception, he's mm. like, oh, stunts can be fun to shoot. I'll, I'll invest more time in this. <laughs> and so when Dark Knight Rises come around, like, yeah, you get some cool fighting in there. But at the end of the day, thematically, he'd already structured his Batman to not be like a hand-to-hand -hand warrior. He's more of a stage performer mm. who, like, overwhelms his enemies by getting them to fail to notice their surroundings. Mm. That tends to be how each one of them dies. They don't, they don't understand where they're standing. And then luckily, Selena Kyle comes in and, and shoots Bane off him into a pillar. Gear, 10 out of 10. Oh, because yes. Oof, this this Batman, the tech, ah, the highest achievement, I think, of this Batman. Everything he uses is uh, painstakingly grounded in real-world military tech. Mm. You see him assemble it. He shows all of his work, and it's cool to watch him use this stuff. Now, I'll say the Tumblr as a Batmobile loses a bit points on aesthetic. I prefer a Batmobile that, like, looks like a Batmobile as opposed to looks like a tank. But... Nolan was even kind of aware of this. He blew it up in The Dark Knight and turned it into this awesome-looking Batpod. Yeah. So, like, he kind of, like, you see him improving on his mistakes as he goes. And it's kind of fun to watch that. The, the anti-camera tech that Bruce Wayne uses when he's yeah, walking yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's Bruce Wayne, and then he shorts out everybody's cameras. It's really cool. Yeah. It really, it's Lucius Fox who should get all yes. the points on this one. But the fact that right. Nolan recognized Lucius Fox as an asset. Well, I think, yeah, the, the involvement of that character in these movies successfully is a testament of, like, yeah, th this was a long overdue inclusion. And, like, it, it gave more of a justification as to, like, how does Bruce Wayne get all of this stuff done? It's like, oh, right. he does it. He has a genius doing it for him under the guise of Wayne Tech. You know? And theatrics. Theatrics, he also gets a 10 out of 10 because this mm. is what this Batman is all about. And not only do we see it, they explain to us the process and the themes behind it. So Christian Bale, I would say, is the um, most talented actor to portray this character. He both aces Wayne's smug ego, and we see mm -hmm. that in Batman Begins in The Dark Knight, but he also plays this animalistic, monstrous Batman with a voice. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And yes. a bit, it's a bit over the top and silly. He does sometimes lose himself in that, but I, it's a cool choice that I yeah. think really works. My imitation of the voice is always celebratory. Like, I just think it's yeah. fun. Now, um, we're going to talk about comic thematic accuracy here because um, eight out of 10, solid mm -hmm. points here. Nolan's Batman is like, I would say long Halloween detective Batman, which, which I loved. But at the end of the day, his three movies, Batman is not the main character of his movies. Gotham is the main character of the movies. Mm. That's part of what makes them great. Because it's a story about human nature, about society as a whole. It's a microcosm for for what all of us are, are thinking. So, it, so it's hard to say that like his Batman is the one driving it. He's really like a symptom of the city, which I think is really smart, but it's like, it takes away from like Batman, from it being a true Batman story. Mm. But he doesn't kill. And that's a big challenge for him when he faces the Joker. And he really does hit some great notes of loneliness, that brooding vengeance, he's haunted. I will say I miss some of the snark because mm -hmm. Batman is supposed to be a bit snarky. He's not 
that snarky. No. I will also say he is a bit too fixated on Rachel Dawes for two yeah. movies. But he was number one in our audience score by a wide margin. Yeah. Far too wide in my opinion, but he gets 10 out of 10, bringing wow. his total score for 53 out of 60. My God, who beat him? Well, Tommy, that would be our man, the legend, Kevin Conroy, voice of the animated Batman from the animated yes. series from the DCAU films, including Mask of the Phantasm and many of the Batman games. Oh, yeah. Many of you may be scratching your head right now. Some of you are saying, yes, thank God. Here is why we have to put Kevin Conroy at the top of it. Intelligence, 10 yeah. out of 10. In the world of his stories, he has been through it all. He sleuths through every conceivable scenario and case. He fails mm -hmm. at the right times and succeeds at the right times. He's a true procedural detective. And each time he's able to come up with a solution that is uniquely tailored to his enemies. I would say at the end of the day, he's just as smart as he needs to be for mm -hmm. his world. And yeah. he never like feel like, oh God, like you never are that frustrated when you're watching him. When it comes to theatrics, we gave him a nine out of 10. Just yeah. because there's not a huge transformation between Bruce and Batman. No. Um, it's just Kevin Conroy does a little subtle thing to change his voice, but it's he's the same bulk. And it's amazing that like no one in this world could be like, well, Bruce Wayne is jacked. Bruce Wayne has massive shoulders. Shoulders are going like this. And then yeah. he puts the bat suit on and it's the same length of shoulders. <laughs> but this is where we have to recommend watching these animated uh, films, Mask of the Phantasm and the rest, because they explore his soul in such mm -hmm. an interesting way. And you really get to know characterization. And part of that is because we've had so many of them and we've mm -hmm. only had three Nolan films. We've only had like a couple Ben Affleck ones. Keaton was only in two of them. So they've mm -hmm. had a lot more time to explore it. But I think that lends itself to why it's one of the greatest ones. The fact that he's been around for decades and mm -hmm. people are still like, yes, give us more, give us more. So that's why comic thematic accuracy, 10 out of 10. And just because, yeah. Tommy, I think you un you understand this too. For true Batman fans, the voice of Kevin Conroy is the voice yeah. that we hear when we're reading the comics. When, when mm -hmm. I read The Dark Knight Returns, I was hearing Kevin Conroy's voice in my head. Me too. For every on-screen version we've seen of Batman, they are variations on a theme. It feels mm. like the director is putting their voice into the work, and so many times it's been great. But the theme that they are, you know, doing variations on is the theme, is the rhythm that Kevin Conroy was playing that whole time. He has been the kind of baseline melody that everyone else has been spinning off from. But, like, if you're thinking thematic accuracy to who Batman should be, and, like, yeah, Batman comics over the years are mostly designed for younger audiences the way the animated series and the animated films are. But at the end of the day, he's still simmering with rage. He's unforgiving. He's pissed off. He's tireless. He keeps fighting, you know? Like, and he's, he cracks a joke every now and then. Batman, you wouldn't let me fry, would you? Man! Like, he's mm. like the perfect balance. He came in third in our audience poll, and I think it's just because a lot of people didn't know the name Kevin Conroy. Yeah. And, you know, maybe haven't spent a lot of time with the character at its score other than the most popular movies. So he, he gets an 8 out of 10, but that brings his total just above Christian Bale to 55 out of 60. Wow. Okay. He is our number one definitive Batman. I get it. I, I can't disagree with that. So where do you think uh, Robert Pattinson will, will rank here? You know, I'm very interested because I think that it could go in two different directions. I think he could do a very Christian Bale level performance where he can do the kind of like schmucky Bruce Wayne who's like really 
kind of a mess. Kind of a believable CEO, though, like, like especially one who's inherited a company. Or I could see him doing the Michael Keaton kind of everyman Batman thing. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Because Robert Pattinson is pretty funny, too. You know, like, that is, yes. like, he is underratedly funny. And I could see him being funny in the way Michael Keaton was funny as Batman. I'm really excited for it, to be honest with you. I, I, I think he's going to do I a great too. job. I think his uh, his intelligence level might go down a little bit. But I think his uh, theatrics and I think his gear and yeah. his fighting skills are going to go up. The intelligence thing is kind of forgivable when you consider that this is supposed to be... According to Matt Reeves, it's supposed to be like his second year of being Batman, right? Like this is right, right, right. You right. can chalk it up to an experience. Um, I think the the real debate is going to be like, is it better than Batfleck? You disgust me. And we'll find out. We'll find out because that was originally a Bad Affleck role, right? Like he was writing it at one point, right? You're always going to compare those two because of that. So. Well, I'm sure you've already commented down below, but yeah. if you haven't yet, feel free to let us know how you would rank these. First off, thanks to our friends at Hero Health. Remembering to take daily medication can be tough, and if you're caring for someone else and managing their medication, that's like fighting the entire rogues gallery of villains all at once. You need some help in this fight, and that help is called Hero. Hero is your medicine cabinet reinvented. The Hero pill dispenser sorts all daily medications and delivers them all with the push of a button. If medication isn't taken, the Hero app will send a notification to you, a family member, or caregiver, so a dose is never missed. Hero makes it simple and easy to make sure you or your loved ones stay on track and get the right meds at the right time, every time. Your Hero membership includes the app, the pill dispenser, and 24-7 support for just a dollar a day. Hero even has an optional service that delivers medication directly to your door. Never miss a dose again and always have peace of mind with Hero. Right now, if you go to herohealth.com slash big question, you'll get 50% off initiation fee and a 30-day risk-free trial with a money-back guarantee. That's herohealth.com slash big question to start your membership with 50% off and a 30-day free trial. Don't forget, that's herohealth.com slash big question. And now we're going to move on to some bite-sized questions that Tommy's going to answer. Are you ready, buddy? Let's go. I'm ready. Civilianer on Discord asks, always asking great questions. If Magneto's metal helmet is enough to stop Professor X from reading his mind, how can Charles Xavier see through Wolverine's adamantium-coated skull? Well, it's not what Magneto's helmet is made out of that's so important. We know he, he can actually remake it out of scrap metal. It's what he does to it that makes it telepath-proof. Magneto reshapes the metal at a molecular level so it has anti-psionic abilities. You remember learning about anti-psionic abilities in your biology oh, class, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's basic, yeah. Yes. The metal is, is likely highly magnetized, since uh, strong magnetic fields can reduce or prevent telepaths from being able to read minds. Uh, this is kind of similar to a real-world Faraday cage, if you know what I'm saying, uh, yeah. guys. Yes. Prevent signals from getting in and out, yeah. Yeah, so we all we all have at times used magnets to keep telepaths from getting to us. Uh, that's that's been my excuse for why I needed to stay home from school since I was little. I'm using magnetic fields. So technically, Magneto doesn't even need the helmet on to protect his mind from being read. An active use of his power could just do the same thing. So he could just be, you know, firing it up. The helmet allows him to not focus any effort on protecting his mind, and that and that gives him an extra layer of protection against alpha level telepaths like Jean Grey or Professor X. And and beta-level telepaths like me. 
Tomesto, the Mind Master. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, all right, our third question comes from uh, Glenn, who he said is not his name, but that's what he's called on Discord. He asked, the wizards in Harry Potter are supposed to have longer lifespans than muggles, but in the final scene of Deathly Hallows, we see that they have kids roughly at the same age as we do. So how mm. does menopause work in the wizarding world? Great question, Glenn. One I've stayed up at night losing sleep over <laughs> figuring out the menstrual cycles of those damn wizards. Uh, wizards have an average lifespan of 137 and three quarter years. How do I know this? I looked it up. A human woman's fertility is proportional to her aging. So presumably the longer the lifespan, the longer the fertility period, right? Incorrect. It does oh. not appear that wizards age more slowly throughout their lives. 11-year-old Harry and Ron and Hermione don't appear to be younger than 11-year-old Dudley. Puberty hits them oh, at sure, the same yeah. time as it does for muggles. 37-year-old Harry, Ron, and Hermione look like normal 37-year-olds, which is not true. Daniel Radcliffe looked ridiculous with his CGI. <laughs> but they were aiming for 37. He did look older, I think. He looked like he could have been 51. Yeah, he looked like he, he looked like the guy that works at the Halloween costume store that do like he just doesn't go out into the sun a lot. So like all the lack of getting vitamin D has made his hair just kind of looking like it's resting on him as opposed to being. Yeah. There. Very specific person I'm talking and, about. And Ron's now. just fat. Yeah. And Rupert Grant, they just made him fat. <laughs> yeah. Which which is, I mean, listen, I'm almost 37 and I'm pretty fat. So let's see. You're looking great, by the way. Tyler. Thanks very much, guys. Much appreciated. Thank you, Eric. So if anything, the age makeup on Harry made him look even older. So there's no evidence of wizards having kids at older ages or as a cultural trend, although Remus Lupin was pretty old when he knocked up Tonks. But you'd think it would be a big thing in their world. Like if women could have kids in their 50s and 60s, that would completely change wizard society. That's a good point. So they totally would if they could have so many more women in the workforce and fewer witches giving up their careers in their 20s to raise right. families like, you know, like human women are pressured to do. That's true. I like calling them human women because it sounds like I'm not human. Like, when I observe human women, uh, they're always quitting their jobs. I just want to meet a human woman for once. I'm bringing home a human woman to my mom this Christmas to show her that I can be in a healthy relationship. Uh, <laughs> all right. So once wizards reach old age, they're just as likely to die from one of the many maladies that tend to cause death in, in elderly muggles. They stay spry. They do like, they, they, yeah. they, they, I mean, like, you know, Dumbledore was no slouch. So witches might have a slightly longer fertility period due to improved general health, but they're, they're probably not having kids at an advanced age. It's probably just the burden of having to support your failure to launch wizard son well into his 70s. That's more of a burden to them. When you're like 103, you're just like, ah, oh, all right, I'll pay your cell phone bill again. But you realize you can just yeah. communicate through fireplaces, right? You do know you can just use that for free. What's your name? Renette. Renette, that's a lovely name. Can you tell me where you are at the moment? Thank you for answering those questions, Tom. We are now, we now have time for one more box of scraps question. Box of scraps! Have you ever been a crime fighter like Batman? I, I, I was torn between a couple of stories here, but I will tell a story of trying to do the right thing and having it blow up in my face. So, like, potentially what would create a Batman villain? When I was in college, I lived in a house... I think we talked about this before, but I lived in a bunch of, like, very frat housey environments where people were just constantly, constantly hammered. Uh, and one of my roommates... We'll just call him the Human Tornado. 
He he was just a dis- he was like a destructive force of nature. He got super <laughs> super super drunk and ended up getting in a fight and getting his ass kicked. And then coming over to me and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like he was bleeding out of his nose, bleeding out of his ears. Like he was really 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 messed up. So he wanted to call the police. So I called the police for him, thinking like, "I'll save the day. I'll call the police." I'll get him medical attention. Like, I didn't know, like, maybe if his nose was broken or if he had, like, a brain injury. How Batman of you, Tommy. Yeah, you know, I call. I alerted Commissioner Gordon. I think you're trying to help. I'll save the day. The police came, and when the police came there, my roommate was so drunk and messed up that he told the police I was the one who attacked him. Like, they were <laughs> like, they were like, do you know who did this to you? And he just went, he did. <laughs> and they were like, they looked at me... And I was like, betrayal. I was the one who called you. Why would I call you yeah. if I was like, the, and they were like, nice try, mister. And then they looked at my perfectly smooth hands. They're like, these aren't fighting hands. And they let me go. But <laughs> I, well, These have never done uh, any physical things in no, their lives. These hands have never touched man or woman. But uh, but they were, <laughs> I think, I think honestly what happened, if I remember, was like, I was like, are you sure? Like, I looked at him and I was like, are you sure you want to say that? He's like, no, no, he didn't. It wasn't him. Like he changed, he recanted immediately. But I was like, I was so furious because You're I was so, so mad. You yeah. started kicking his yeah. ass. So then I took him inside and beat the shit out of him. No, <laughs> that was a story of trying to do the right thing, trying to save the day. Uh, that ultimately blew up in my face a little bit. Uh, how about you? I once, uh, I once considered myself a Batman and tried to join their ranks. Um, oh, yes. Because before I decided to move out to L.A. and, and try to do improv on Harold Teams to Tommy Bechtold, yeah. I decided I wanted to try to be a lawyer. So the summer before my senior year uh, of college in Jacksonville, Florida, I interned for the state attorney's office. Oh, okay. And I had a friend who was a prosecutor, mm. uh, who, I, who was a great guy, um, who got me this job. And I was like, I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to be a lawyer. And the state attorney at the time, pretty high profile, prosecuted a very high profile case a couple years later. Uh, But her claim to fame was that she had the best uh, conviction to death row record. Oh, cool. So I I was like, all right. She knows what she's doing. Um, But what they had the interns do that summer was prosecute. uh, Not prosecute. We were just following up on worthless checks. Ah. So... In the South for like a long period of time, you could go to places like Walmart and the grocery store um, Publix and you could write yourself a check for $75 and they would cash it. Yes. That was just their store policy. And a lot of people ripped them off. It's something that the the state attorney's office is like, stop doing that. Stop sending us these police reports. Change your policy because people mm-hmm. are raving you off. So we had all these backlog cases mm-hmm. from like 1998 through like 2008 mm-hmm. of all these cases. And they had the interns go through and try to clear them out just to make some money back, to call mm-hmm. people up and scare them into paying off their Ah, money. very smart. And okay. Even though a lot of these things, bench warrants had been expired, People don't know that. You just have an intern kind of send yeah. a scary letter or make a scary phone call. Mm. But I felt so guilty doing this. I'm yes. so non-confrontational. So we would have these case files and like I would call people and then I'd like hang up because I was just <laughs> afraid of like sure. scaring them into doing this. And most of the time they don't pick up or the or the phone line isn't accurate anymore. Um, but they had like a law student who was also an intern who was kind of like in charge of us 
who wanted to try to motivate us and turn it into like a Glengarry Glen Ross kind of reward <laughs> system. They're like the most people who can bring in or the most dollars you can bring in on these worthless check files. Oh my God. You, um, you'll get like a, a $10 gift card to Chili's at the end because we weren't paid. We were in right. Sure. sure. But it was just to get us to do it. I don't know if that's okay to do that. No. But it's just like a little bonus. I don't know. But I was too afraid. I did want that Chili's gift card, though. Um, yeah. But I had like the lowest numbers. Because what I would do, I would sit in a cubicle away from everyone else. Because everyone else would really get into it. All these other prospective law students are like, yeah, I'm going to be I'm gonna be the super lawyer. I'm going to, you know, they were all about that carrying out justice. And me, I'm like, I don't know if I like this. Yeah. And, uh, and at one point, uh, the guy in charge of us pulled me aside. He's like, hey, so you haven't gotten any case files uh, closed this week. And I was like, I know. I was hoping no one would notice. So I was so nervous. Uh, there was one case file that no one could get a hold of this person. And this person was like the Baron of these <laughs> checks from like 2000 to 2002. <laughs> Had like 14 different cases of doing that. Yeah. And was able to just like stay off the grid and no yes. one could find him. So that case file was on the high shelf. And I'm like, I'm going to do that one so i i i tried i spent all my time like this is my white whale and yeah. uh, i wrote down i you can't take the case files home but i wrote down some um details of like his name and his last known number and uh because we couldn't use facebook on the computers in the office i took it on my personal facebook and i was able to find him on facebook on my home computer oh my god so i used this information and i tracked him down i got back in the office the next day i was able to find a phone number for him but it, it wasn't his facebook it was like a relative's Facebook. Ah. So I was like, I'm going to call the relative. Uh, so I call the relative and the woman's voice, uh, she picks up and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, excuse me, are you uh, aware of this person? And I think it was like his spouse or something. And she's like, uh, yes, I know who that is. And I'm like, well, are you aware that he has a bench warrant out for his arrest for 14 worthless checks he wrote and he got away with and, you know, we can refile the bench warrant. And she goes, he passed away last year. Oh, no. And I was like, oh. And oh, I was like, but oh, no. I had heard, I had heard that some of the other interns were like, people will try to claim that the yeah, is dead. Yeah, sure. So I doubled down and I said, yeah, right. We've oh, heard that one Oh, before. no. Oh, God. <laughs> she sent me a link to like. Oh, God. His obituary. Oh, no. <laughs> And I found it. They ask you how you are. You just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine. But you just can't get into it because they would never understand. Oh, no. But something happened where I think because I went after after that, after the internship was over, I was so freaked out by it that I like was like, this isn't for me. The life yeah. of, of law, it's not yeah. for me. I don't, have, I don't have the stomach for it. I'm too much of a soy boy. Yeah. Uh, no uh, me too, buddy. And, me too. Uh, <laughs> and and I got uh, these thank you letters to all the interns. They they went out to all of us. And the thank you note they sent to me was like, Eric, you have the highest number of closed cases. I think they still attributed that white whale to me. <laughs> so you got the gift card? <laughs> I uh, yeah, I got the gift card yeah. at the end of it. They're like they're like Eric outranked all of our other interns. Oh, so like... I had this reputation at the higher ups, thinking that I was like going after these people cracking skulls. <laughs> Eric the bounty hunter. Eric, you you oh, just yeah. you sent that guy's wife a letter that just said checkmate, and then it was avoided. Yeah. It was avoided obituary. That would be. Uh, <laughs> that, they're like, God, that guy's 
ruthless. I wonder if like she went out and she came back and paid the restitution because oh, I think at maybe. the end of the day it was only like it was like a uh, six hundred bucks or something like that. Nah, you know? like, nah. So maybe she did, and they're like, "Whoa, we got them!" Wow. I, I don't know what it was, but I'm Batman. <laughs> you did it. Swear to me, you took yourself <laughs> a check and ripped off Walmart. <laughs> you did it. Well. That's our episode. So great to chat with you, Tommy. We figured out who the best Batman is and which uh, between us is the best Batman. And you're my favorite Batman, for sure. You're my favorite Batman. Oh, thank you. I swear to you that you're mine. (laughs) And I swear back. (laughs) (laughs) A reminder to all of you that you can join our official Discord by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash newrockstars. And on Discord, that's where we see the bulk of our question submissions. So if you really want to get our attention with a question, Join Discord, ask us there. We got a whole server channel set up for that. And then if you want to hit us up on Twitter, we might see it there at hashtag big question is your best chance of getting our attention. Follow me at EA Voss on Instagram. You can follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold. Follow new rockstars on social. Subscribe here on YouTube. If you get too much information on all the stuff you care about. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. See you next week. <laughs> Why don't you say that? Name? <laughs>